Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hello, I'm Blair Bathory, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Whether this is your first time or you're one of the brave souls who join us every week. We are filled with all kinds of dreams. Dreams of our future, daydreams, night dreams, and lucid dreams. But the dark side of us also has to manifest somewhere. During the night, our deepest and more disturbing thoughts haunt us in our nightmares. We better just pray that we wake up or could find ourselves trapped with our terrible thoughts forever. First, it haunts the house, followed by a deadly wish, then torture in the asylum, finally, in our featured story, Killer Instinct. And don't forget to take a look at the awesome Something Scary merch at somethingscary@snarled.com. We've got something for everyone, from hoodies to hats to writer's notebooks. Check it out after the podcast. So, wanna hear something scary? Dreaming in horror. Just because you can get away from what scares you doesn't mean it won't haunt you for a long, long time. Like in this story, inspired by Franny, I was exhausted from another night staying up too late on my phone. My family had just moved in with my aunt and cousin. I was further away from my friends, so we spent hours on the phone together. I don't know when I fell asleep. I do know I was woken up by what felt like an earthquake. I quickly realized someone was bouncing on my bed. I was annoyed that my little cousin snuck out of her room just to disturb me. I was about to shove her off when I realized I couldn't move. It felt like some unknown force was pushing me down. My eyes darted from side to side uncontrollably. My ankles burned like chains were wrapping around them, getting tighter and hotter with each breath. The bouncing never stopped. It just got faster and faster. Finally, I was able to turn my head toward my cousin and I begged her to stop. But when I looked, she wasn't there. What the hell's happening? I thought. I tried to calm myself down. My mind was reeling when it hit me. 
This must be sleep paralysis. I'd seen a bunch of spooky videos on it, and then I remembered. Focus on my moving toes. When I did, the shaking stopped. It happened again the following night. I knew it wasn't a fluke, so naturally, I went to the internet. I realized my room wasn't set up properly. The bed was facing toward the window. There was a saying here in the Philippines that you shouldn't sleep with the window or door near your feet. It's as if you were in the grave. Many public graves here only have one opening on one end, which is where your feet would be. I immediately switched up my position on my bed. It didn't work. After a few weeks, I became afraid to sleep alone. As childish as it felt, I decided to sleep in my parents' room. Their room was huge, so I put a blow-up mattress safely in the corner where I could see everything. Thankfully, my mom liked to sleep with a nightlight to keep the room slightly illuminated. Unfortunately, there was no change. I still woke up in the middle of the night, unable to move. By this point, I was getting annoyed. I just lay there, waiting for it to pass. But one night, out of the corner of my eye, I saw two yellow orbs that didn't belong. As my eyes focused, I saw what they were. I was so terrified. I wanted to die because I couldn't scream out for help. A skeletal-looking woman was hanging upside down from the ceiling, just above my parents' bed. She held on by all fours, like an animal. Her skin was gray, her hair long and dripping wet. It reached my parents, burying them in the water, but I could do nothing. The nightlight illuminated her face as her orb eyes peered at me, her smile twisted and bloody. I dared not to move, <laughs> as if I could. I blinked, then I realized she inched closer. My breathing started to pick up, I was hyperventilating. My eyes started to water, making my vision blur. I blinked and blinked to clear it, in fear of not seeing her whereabouts because of the tears. Worst mistake. She'd moved closer and closer till she was inches from my face. I could hear her rugged breathing. I could feel her cold hair on my skin. She was sitting on top of me, smiling. I could see her teeth thousands of sharp, bloody needles protruding from her gums. My tears flowed freely as she reached down to my ear and whispered, I missed you, but I found you. Then her hand grabbed my thigh and shook me. I looked down and realized it was my father. The skeletal woman was gone and I could move. My father asked me if I was okay. I just nodded and said, just another bad dream. I wiped off the tears and looked at my phone. 3.34 a.m. I refused to sleep for nights after that, fearing she might miss me again and want to visit. Finally, my parents tried to get me help. All the experts said it was just sleep paralysis. It wasn't real. They can say that, but when I finally moved out to go to college, I never saw her again. So I know for sure, she comes with that house. 
Is there anything in your nightmares that changed once you switched where you slept? Has anything haunted you for years? How do you cope? Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Sometimes we're so focused on getting what we want, we don't stop to realize it's hurting those who we love. Like in this story, inspired by Chinton B. It was 2 a.m., and Roy lay on the couch with the TV blaring. Hi there. Are you alone? Sad? Feeling lost in the darkness? The woman on the late-night infomercial continued. Do you want your light back in your life? Then you are on the right channel. Roy was barely listening. He was lost in a state of limbo, too tired to sleep and too exhausted to really be awake. His mind was locked in the darkness of loneliness, which had completely enveloped him after the accident. The monsters inside the darkness didn't trouble him. They were witnessing his demise as he fell deeper into their territory. The infomercial continued. Would you like to believe in this world? The light, yourself. The truth is, there is a way for you to achieve it all. Your wish. Any wish will be granted. Any wish. You can even bring back your loved ones from the dead. Roy looked up at the TV. If you would like to order, press one on your television remote. If no, then... The woman stopped speaking and simply smiled as if she was looking at someone as if she was looking at Roy. Press one to order. This product is non-refundable. No cancellation is allowed. No emotions are allowed. A word of caution. Roy grunted and picked up the remote. The woman continued speaking, but he didn't bother to listen. He just kept thinking what a liar this woman was. This is not a lie, retorted the woman on the screen. Roy looked up in shock and pressed the power button, but the TV didn't turn off. Instead, a message appeared on the screen. Your order has been placed. Pissed and tired, he grumbled. He didn't order the product. He wanted to cancel. No cancellation is allowed. Appeared on the screen. He screamed at the TV. I don't want it. He pressed all the buttons on his remote to only see the same message pop up over and over again. No cancellations is allowed. 
No cancellations is allowed. No cancellations is allowed. Then it hit him. He was dreaming. He hadn't shared his name or address. You can't order something using your remote. And he knew for sure he couldn't bring a loved one back from the dead, no matter how much he missed her. He threw the remote across the room. He tossed and turned on the couch, trying to go back to sleep or wake up. Whatever would make this stop. The next day, a package arrived for Roy. Inside was a green thumb-sized seed with an instruction card. He tossed it straight into the trash. The next day, another came. It was the same as before. He was furious and burned the whole thing. Then, yet another package was delivered. This time, he freaked out. No matter what he did, the seed came back. Of course he wanted this miracle product to be legitimate. He was in a deep decline. The rage and the loneliness was too much to bear. The darkness in him implored him to use it, to make a wish, to at least try. The whispers had been there since the accident. He wanted his mom back no matter the cost, and the darkness inside of him played a big role in making him pull towards the thin line between reality and a dream. She might come back, his inner voice whispered. Roy looked at the instruction card. Consume the seed and make a wish. Think of the wish every day until the seed sprouts. Drink plenty of water. Once the shape of your wish starts to form, keep it away from reality. The next part were warnings. Never let negative thoughts cross your mind. Never cut off your wish halfway. Never regret your wish. Never be greedy for your wish to come quicker. That was it. Several months passed. Roy was sitting on the couch while his mother's body, up to her torso, slowly grew out of Roy's left arm. He had lost a lot of weight and couldn't move much. There were lots of empty water bottles around him. A year later, Roy's mother was far away locked in the darkness and loneliness which had completely enveloped her. She sat on the couch alone. She tossed and turned in a state of confusion, too tired to sleep, too exhausted to be awake. That's when she heard a woman's voice on the TV. Hi there, are you alone, sad, feeling lost in the darkness? The late night infomercial continued. Do you want your light back in your life? Then you are on the right channel. Roy's mother looked up. Would you believe in this world, the light, yourself? The truth is, there is a way for you to achieve it all. Your wish, any wish will be granted. Any wish. You can even bring back your loved ones from the dead. She listened more carefully. Then without hesitation, Roy's mother pressed one on the remote. I just want my son back, she cried. The next day, a package arrived with a green thumb-sized seed in it. She simply smiled and closed the door, walking back into the dark room which enveloped her. Have you ever wanted something so badly you would sacrifice yourself to get it? Would you go so far as to use magic or reach out to the paranormal? Has it worked for you? Tell us your stories by sending us an email 
at somethingscary@snarled.com. Robert Browning said, There may be a heaven, there must be a hell. Meantime, there is our earth here. Well, I guess our time on earth could go either way. We better hope it's in a peaceful direction. Like in this story, written by Floyd McMillan. The nightmares alone were enough to avert my sleep. I cannot recall precisely when they began. I hardly remember anything anymore. The building itself was a converted stone castle consumed by a dense and disorienting fog and prone to the most chilling drafts. Inside was so dim, it was difficult to discern exactly what one was seeing. Contributing further to the depressing atmosphere were the horrible sounds which ceaselessly echoed through every wall and chamber of the castle. Desperate cries of the many dejected and despondent souls, suffering a deeper and more profound anguish than any other group of men alive. In the beginning, the sounds had kept me up at night, often waking startled by distant screams. Yet soon I grew to such exhaustion that the sounds alone could no longer deprive me of the sleep I so desperately needed. Then the nightmares began. At first, there was nothing too peculiar about the dreams themselves, aside from their regularity, which I attributed to my dreadful surroundings. Over time, I grew to have the same reoccurring nightmare every night without fail. In my dream, I would awaken in a room of perfect darkness. An acute sense of claustrophobia would overtake me almost immediately along with an inexorable longing for escape. I would burst suddenly from my confinement and fill my lungs with the most desirable of breaths, only to be met again by what I dreaded the most. Every night I would emerge from the darkness to find myself in a dimly lit catacomb. The walls of the tomb were damp and leaky. All around me, the skeletal remains of what looked to be hundreds of men, but the most terrible of all was him. In a far corner, obscured by darkness, was the vague figure of what seemed to be a man. He sat, unmoving, upon my casket. Every night, I would sit, frozen in terror, as the man in the corner stared at me. By the dim light of the flame, I saw only the mouth of the man but that alone was enough to fill me with the most insufferable fear. He had no lips, the most gigantic teeth, which gave the impression of a permanent smile, but in no way human. His silence disturbed me almost as much as his smile. I could not fathom to what end the man sat in his corner. I fancied, perhaps, that the skeletons around me were those of his victims of men who had suffered the dream before me. I endeavored in vain to garner sympathy from my caregivers. Being regarded as such a lunatic meant that any rational attempt at disclosure was met with my crudely nonchalant shrugging of shoulders and a blatant disregard for my concerns. 
I resolved then that my best course of action would be to abstain from sleep as entirely as I could possibly bear. The dreams were relentless. However, no matter how little I slept, I still would find myself again in the dark confinement of the sepulcher. I nevertheless began to require less and less sleep and soon was able to avoid the tomb altogether for stretches of three or four days at a time. When I would finally yield to my weariness, it would never be for a longer period than three or four hours at a time. It was a wretched time, but I still endured, for I much preferred the exhaustion of the sleeplessness to the terrors of the nightmare. It was during these sporadic bouts of sleep that I began to notice something singular and horrendous in the way of an alteration to the reoccurring dream. Every few days, when I would take my paltry few hours of sleep, I would return again to the coffin and emerge to see the smiling figure in the corner. What was undeniably clear, however, was that the distance between the obscure man and myself became increasingly less. This movement reached its climax when, one stormy night, I fell into an abrupt sleep. I found myself enclosed yet again in the casket. When I removed the lid to relieve my suffocation, I was met with the most startling and ghastly of sights. It was the smiling man, only now his face was so close that I could feel his breath. I was riddled with overwhelming terror at the sight. I let out a series of blood-curdling screams that reverberated through the halls of the catacomb, my voice echoing which gave the impression that the very tomb itself was screaming too. Through this ordeal, there was still no noticeable change in the countenance of the smiling man. I was awoken by the concerned hands of many nurses shaking me. I was covered in an unpleasant sweat, yet I breathed a deep sigh of sincere relief once I regained my wits. The nurses too seemed to be quelled once I assumed my stoically calm demeanor until I saw him. They say I am mad, yet I remember plainly. A roar of thunder from outside the window, followed by a flash of lightning, provided all the light I needed to see. It was the figure of the smiling man. How could this be? I took a frantic glance around the room, but I was in my bed. There was no casket, nor any skeletons, and yet there he was. I began to scream again, this time from an unprecedented level of hysteria. I pointed to the man and begged the nurses for help who responded hastily by binding me in restraints. They led me from the room, screaming and convulsing in utter mortification. And the figure stood by the entire time, smiling. Have you ever had a dream follow you into reality? Were you afraid to tell others in case they thought you were insane? In our final story, join my co-host Stephanie as she tells the tale of an ancient evil in the forest, now animated over on our YouTube channel. 
Just because you love and respect nature doesn't mean it will make you its next victim. Cassie, along with her parents and younger brother Danny, headed into the northern corner of Minnesota. They had booked a cabin deep in the forest. This wasn't the kind of vacation that the Johnsons typically took. They usually ended up on a beach or in New York City visiting some relatives. But Cassie was determined to show them her love of the woods. She suspected they were afraid of bears and other wildlife, and there were other stories of people disappearing in the park. But by the end of the first day, the whole family was enchanted by the beauty of the forest, the towering trees, and the sounds of the creatures living within it. As the days went by, the Johnsons began to notice some strange occurrences. One morning, they awoke to find a dead deer in front of the cabin. Somebody or something had bitten into it, but they discarded most of the carcass. Cassie also noticed the animals that normally roamed freely in the woods seemed frightened of every sound. Despite the absence of the breeze, the trees themselves shuddered and shook. That night, Cassie had a weird dream. She saw a figure who looked like her mother biting into a dead deer out the window. But when she crept over for a closer look, the figure disappeared and she woke up. It had been a terrible dream, Cassie thought as she rolled over to get comfortable again. She noticed fresh bloodstains on her pillow. Shaking her head, she wiped her mouth, finding more blood. She didn't sleep much that night, turning the pillow over so no one else saw the stains. She had no idea how to explain it. The following day, Cassie told her brother Danny about her dream, and he suggested they all go for a hike to take her mind off it. The family stumbled upon an old tree that seemed to have a face carved into it giving it an eerily human quality. They were already somewhat unsettled when they suddenly heard a deep and menacing voice. It said, leave this place at once or face the wrath of the forest. Cassie's father felt an icy fear grip his stomach as he hurried them back towards the cabin, one arm protectively around Cassie's trembling shoulders. We'll leave early tomorrow morning, he said, trying to keep his voice calm. But Cassie couldn't sleep. As it was already bad enough with the events prior, a noise from outside startled her and she tiptoed out of the bed and over to the window. There was her mother walking barefoot in a trance-like just as her dream from the previous night. A dead deer lay near the doorstep and Cassie's mother was headed into the forest. Not wanting to wake the others, she calmed herself down, pulled on her boots and a jacket and began to carefully follow her mother. She moved as quickly as she could, but lost sight of her soon enough. Not wanting to turn back, she wandered deeper into the forest. Before long, Cassie was lost, not knowing how far she had gone or how long she had been walking. But just like the night before, something compelled her to keep moving. Then there it was, the same tree with its malevolent expression. And standing in front of it, looking up in rapture, was her mother. To the casual observer, it might seem to be just a tree, very old and gnarled, but Cassie could feel the malevolent energy all around. Cassie's mother turned to look at her. She looked unlike herself, like something evil was within her. Her body shaking in odd patterns, her hair started to look disheveled, with blood on her bottom lips as she smiled at Cassie. As Cassie got closer to her mother and the tree, the tree spoke, repeating the words from earlier in a deep and menacing voice. Leave this place at once, or face the wrath of the forest. Cassie began to levitate, but an invisible force held her firmly in place. 
She struggled and screamed, but the grip didn't loosen. Her mom was smirking down at her, which Cassie found uncharacteristic. A moment later, she fell back to the ground. Through tears, Cassie noticed her mother was holding a book. She recognized the language on the cover from her ancient history class, Sumerian. She grabbed it and flicked it open. It was a spell book with nothing to lose. She began to recite a magical incantation from the book. A storm began blowing around them as her words seemed to fill the forest with its power. Her mother let out a mighty scream, her body shaking uncontrollably as if being struck by lightning, then fell to the ground. The demonic trees started to wail in agony until suddenly they all disappeared into thin air. Cassie lay down beside her mother, hugging her protectively, but certain she was dead. That evening, Cassie's brother and father found them after mounting a search party. Her mother was rushed to the hospital and treated for shock and exhaustion. Cassie escaped with a few bruises and scratches. Cassie's respect for the earth and quick thinking with the spell had saved them in the end. The family was in shock at what just happened, but at that moment, they felt relieved knowing that their loved ones were safe. Now, the forest lays dormant again, resting, waiting, at least until it needs to be fed once more. This story was sponsored by Warner Brothers. Thank you all for listening. This week's podcast stories were edited by Sarah Lukasiewicz, Janine Pipe, and Stephanie Strange. Narration by Blair Bathory and Stephanie Strange. Audio edited and mixed by Calvin Linderman. Additional audio editing by Fitz Harris. Art and graphics by Irma Richardson. Produced by Anna Villalobos. Executive produced by Gail Gilman. Music by Sapphire Sindalo and Calvin Linderman. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarl.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my spooky friends, sweet screams. <laughs>